Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifted you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. Man, God is good. Isn't God good? Has he been good in your life? I know he's been good in mine. Thank you for joining us today at Axios Church. You could have been anywhere else, just like my wife said, but you decided to be with us today, and we honor your presence. We honor your presence, and um, we've been in a sermon series called Living Life in the If, and we're week three, and um, man, I don't know about you, but this series has been touching my life. I'm not one of those pastors that I come in here preaching to you, preaching to you, preaching to you. As a matter of fact, I'm preaching to myself. So everything that God is kind of pouring into me and I'm, and I'm pouring out to you guys, I mean, he speak, he's, he's tearing me apart. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago when I was really um, getting into this series, I had to text some of, the, uh, some of our team members and I said, I'm literally running around my house because God is wrecking me right now. Um, so I, I just want you to know that, man, in this, in this season of our church and in our life, lives. Man, life is chaotic, but you know, God is here to, to, to take you into a place of peace in, in, in a moment of chaos. So um, we're going to be going to week three here. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, how life is flipping our if. And then last week we talked about in the middle of the if, and we talked about how we need to move on and let God fight our battles. But today, I'm going to be talking, the title for today's message is The Awkward If. The Awkward If. I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up in a, I grew up a little awkward, okay? I grew up a little awkward. I'm a baby of four kids, and, um, and my brother, my oldest brother's like 82 years old. I'm just kidding, he's not that old. But um, he's way older than me, and I was the baby. So I grew up um, in, in, in an awkward season of my life. You know, um, I got, I, I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you today and tell you how awkward I was growing up. Put that picture up. That's me, all right? Now, don't, don't get, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sensitive, okay? But this is how awkward I was. I was the band guy, you know, and, uh, you know, thank God for puberty and, and facial hair because God saved me, all right? Uh, and, and, but I was awkward. I was, okay, turn it off. You guys are looking at it too much. I was awkward. I was awkward. And I, I, was, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up and, you know, I was uh, I didn't grow up, I mean, my brothers and my sisters were a lot older than me, so I really grew up with my nephews, um, Jason and Jordan, and we were like brothers, so I, I mean, I was always that awkward, like, I'm your uncle, but then like, we're like brothers kind of thing, so like, whenever I use the uncle card, I'm like, hey, I'm your uncle, okay? But then like, whatnot, and I'm like beating them up at the same time, so it was an awkward season of my life. I, I, I hated growing up awkward, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was very, it was very awkward, okay? And then how about awkward situations? I, I don't even like just being awkward. I hate awkward situations. Anybody been there before where you put your foot in your mouth, you know, and you say something stupid, all right? And then you're like, you're like the words are coming out of your mouth and you're just like trying to grab it as they go and you're like, oh, I'm screwed, I'm, we're done. You know, like it, it's, it's awkward situation. How about this? When somebody says something super awkward and then there's that awkward pause, you know, that awkward pause and everybody's like, that wasn't funny, <laughs> you know, or like, uh, you're weird, all right? So awkward is an uncomfortable feeling. Let me ask you this question today. What if God asked us to do something that made us feel a little awkward? 
Matter of fact, what if God told us, that he gave us a promise, and matter of fact, he gave us that promise, but then he, he took that promise away, and he said to give it up. What will we do? What will we do? See, what if that, that awkward feeling that God tells us to do, what if it went against all of our dreams that we had? What if that awkward feeling went against all of the plans that we thought we had? What if that awkward feeling went against all the resources we thought we had? What would you say? And in these awkward pauses in life, you know, God, God tells us, we, we ask these questions in these awkward moments with us and God, and God is telling us to do something that we feel awkward to do. And then we ask questions like, God, are you real? Been there before? Then we ask saying, God, are you really speaking to me? And we say, God, I don't know if this is the enemy or I don't know if this is God. I heard somebody laughing because that's me every day. I don't, God, I don't, I don't know if this is you because this is kind of weird, all right? Or we say, surely, God, it isn't you because it's too much sacrifice. The awkward if. See, here in the book of Genesis, we, we see a story of a, a father and a son. And it's such an awkward story from the beginning to the end. And it, it actually, it raises your eyebrows and saying, um, and you, you're like, if I was there, it would have been an awkward situation. An awkward situation. So let's go through this story and let's see what God has for us and what he's speaking to us in this, in this moment. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to settle there um, in, a, in a minute, um, but then we're going to move forward in, in through this story because, you know, before we get to the end of the story, we got to know what happens in the beginning, right? We got to know what happened in the beginning. So we're going to be settling in, 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 Gen, in Genesis chapter 22. But before that, we're going to flow into the chapter 15 where we see Abraham and God having, God gave Abraham this covenant. He said, through your offspring, through your children, they are going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed. God, you know, at this point, Abraham had everything he wanted, the riches. He had everything, you know, all the possessions that he wanted. But one thing that he didn't have that he wanted so bad was a son, was a child. And, he, he, and, him, and him and God had this conversation. And God said, I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to bless your children that are going to come. And, 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 and uh, sorry, um, and Abraham was like, God, I have it all. But I just don't have this one thing. Awkward situation. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says it like this. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heavens and the number of the stars. If you are able to number them, then I say to him, so shall your offspring be. It was a promise that, Abraham, that God gave Abraham that I, I see what you're saying that you don't have, but I'm going to speak something that you think you never will have. I'm going to speak into that thing. And guess what? It's going to be blessed. It's going to be blessed. So Abraham accepts the promise and moves on with his life. And here's the transition where things get a little bit awkward. He has a wife called, uh, his wife is named Sarah. And Sarah is Abraham's wife and she could not have any kids. She was barren. So God gave Abraham this promise. Think about this, okay? It's starting to get a little crazy here, okay? Abraham, you're going to have babies, a lot of them, and I'm going to bless them. And then he goes to Sarah. Sarah, God told me this promise 
I'm going to have babies and they're going to be blessed. And Sarah's like, I can't have babies. This don't work. It don't, it don't match up. How is this supposed to happen? How is this supposed to happen through Sarah? So what happens when you hear what God is telling you, the promise that God has for you, but then you start looking at your lack and the promise that God has given you is inconsistent to your reality? What happens when God says, I'm going to pour my blessings on you. I have this promise for you. But then you look at yourself and you're like, I can't. And I don't know how because I know what I have. I know who I am. And what you say, God, is so much bigger than what I am. What happens when your reality doesn't match up with the promise that God has for you? We take matters into our own hands. That's what we do. Are we, are, are we all holy here today? Because I'm not. I screw it up. I say, God, okay. I start, I start adding these things up. Okay. Thank you, God. Promise. Thank you. Sarah can't have a kid. So how? You see these conversations with God you have? How is that supposed to happen? So then Sarah goes, and I'm going through, paraphrasing all this. He, Sarah has a servant named Hagar. And she tells Hagar, Hey, Hagar, I, I, I see this thing that God wants to do for Abraham. So now I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And he says, Hagar, why don't you go lay with Abraham? And guess what? Hagar becomes pregnant. It's like there's a Maury show happening. It's awkward. Uh, okay, so Sarah can't have a baby. Hey, Hagar, go sleep with my husband. And then uh, wah, the baby's here. You, you, think that, you think this is awkward? Yeah, it gets better, okay? It gets better. And then Sarah realizes Hagar is pregnant. You know what Sarah does? She gets mad at Hagar. I didn't know you were going to get pregnant that fast. Here, here's the thing. When we get, take matters into our own hands, the question we need to ask is, what do we expect? Because sometimes our expectations doesn't match up with our plans. Sarah, you, you made this happen. God, God gave, gave the promise. You didn't wait on the promise. You took matters into your own hands, and now you're mad? You're like, hey, Hagar, how can you do that? We do it every day. We do it. I do it every day. Every, I say, God, oh, what's going on, God? I want, I, I hear your promise, and I, I know what you're doing, and we don't wait. And then we say, okay, it's too slow, God, so I have to talk to this person. I have to manufacture this thing. Instead of waiting on the Lord, what did you expect? So Sarah went to Abraham, and my, uh, to, to Hagar, and she was mad. It said in my Bible, it says it, she dealt with her harshly. I can let you interpret however you want with that, but it was not good. It was a Jerry Springer. It was a Jerry, Jerry. It was not good. Here's a side note. See, Hagar was never supposed to be a part of the story. Hagar was never supposed to be a part of the story, but Sarah moved through her insecurity and her lack and messed it all up. See, there's different situations that are never really supposed to be a part of your story, but now it is, and now we got to deal with it. We get in the way, and then we realize, God, take me out of this. And God's like, hey, he wasn't supposed to be part of the story. 
If we're really real with ourselves and, and honest with ourselves, we can look at some things that we manufacture and we call it God. But in reality, it's us getting in the way. Sarah, you're mad. Hagar, you were never supposed to be a part of the story, but by somebody else's mess up, now you're here. Be careful when others are unstable and start adding you to their mess. Let me say it like this. We need to check our circles. I'm getting too real with you guys today. We need to check our circles. Because there's some people that are so close to you, but behind your back, they're getting you into their mess. And you're like, how did I get here? It was probably never you, but you entertained the mess. And now you get to be a part of it. But this is what God does. With all grace and mercy that he is. As we move along in the story, one of the, I love this part of the story. It says, Hagar flees. She runs away. She was upset. Remember, Hagar did not, Hagar did not ask for this. She was just trying to be obedient to her, to, to the person, her boss. Her boss said, sleep with my husband. She's like, awkward, okay. And now she's in the story. So now imagine this, all the guilt, all the shame, feeling worthless, what Hagar is feeling in this moment. But look what God does in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7 and 11. And the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of the water in the wilderness and the spring of, of, of the way of sure. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sariah, where, where have you come from and where are you going? He said, I'm, she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sariah. And the angel said to the Lord and said to her, return to your, to your mistress and, and submit to her. In verse 10, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so you cannot, so you cannot be outnumbered from the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. His name shall be Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your afflictions. What am I saying here? Here's the nature of God and it's going to be the nature of God in your life as well. When life comes unexpected and you find yourself in positions that you look back and say, I did not ask for this. God still says, I'm there for you. It was not supposed to be a part of the story, but here's the thing. God still blessed the mess. We get in the way. But here's the thing about God. This is the difference between us and God sometimes. Is whenever a situation, a mess happens, we start tearing each other down. Oh, you deserve this. Oh, you should have, met, you should have uh, done this and done that. And we tear each other down. But what does God do to Hagar? He says, listen, I know that you're feeling lonely. I know that you're, you're, you're not supposed to be a part of this. But now that you are, I see the mess, but I'm going to bless you just because you are obedient. I'm going to bless your mess. Now Ishmael is going to be blessed as well. That doesn't mean that we need to enter into the mess. But that does mean that God is full of grace and full of mercy. That he doesn't abandon us. That he accepts us and he says, from this point forward, it's time to change. C.S. 
See, Hagar was not supposed to be part of the story, but now you are. Let's turn this awkward situation now into a promise. Now your offspring is going to be blessed because I heard your cry. You know why God, I think, really blessed it? Because uh, Hagar was full of desperation. God, I don't know what to do. All I need is you. And he said in the verse, he said, because I heard your afflictions, you're going to be blessed. We need to cry out to God. We need to stop going to people and going to God. Because only God can mess, take our mess and make it into a message. Only he can do that. I'm here to tell you today that you might be in a situation that was not unexpected in your life. Yeah, they might have cheated on you. Yeah, they might have mistreated you. Yeah, they might have lied about you. They might have backstabbed you. But God is saying to you today, I hear your cry and I'm going to establish a covenant, a promise with you that this is going to be a blessing from your generation to generation to generation by your obedience. It's time to forget it and move on. Such an awkward story. <laughs> but the crazy thing is not done. See, Ishmael is born. And then God tells Abraham in verse 17 that, Abraham, you know that promise I told you in verse 15? I'm going to fulfill that promise. It's going to happen. See, Abraham was like, okay, Ishmael's here, so what, the promise, what's going to happen? He said, no, I'm going to fulfill the promise through Sarah, the covenant I have with you. It says in, 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 in 17 and 16, it says, I will bless her and moreover, and I'll give you your son, your son to her. I will bless her and she shall become nations and kings and people shall come with her. And Abraham fell to his face and laughed at God. Whoa, I'm like old, he says. You know, he, he says, I'm 90, I'm 90 years old and, and Sarah's 90 years old and I'm even older than that. And then, and then he keeps on talking to God, all his excuses and excuses. And God said, you know what? It's coming through Sarah. So what are you telling me today, God? That if God says a promise, he does not forget it. He does not forget it. If he said it, he's going to establish it. If he said it, he's going to do it through you. It's going to happen. We can try to manufacture the things. Hagar, you, you, you are not part of the story, but now you are. I'm going to bless this mess. But Sarah, you're the one. You're the one. And Isaac is his name. The question is, why Sarah? Woo! We going to church in five seconds, all right? Why Sarah? Because God wants us to, God wants to take the barren things of our life and turn them into life. Sarah, you're not supposed to have kids. You're not supposed to have babies. But God sees the, the lack and says, I see what was barren. I'm going to bring life into that situation. What you thought was dead, I'm bringing life into it. What you thought that person that was so far off that doesn't know God, you thought it was done? No, I'm bringing life into that situation. You thought that, that, that financial blessing was not going to there? No, I'm breathing life into that, into that mess that you thought. And I'm going to take into the message. God is breathing life into the dead things in our life. It's through you, Sarah. But God is saying, I'm going to establish my blessing in a place where it was called bare, and I will bring it to life. So the promised child is here. Isaac is born. 
Abraham is at an old age. The promise is finally physically in front of him. And then another awkward conversation happens. Verse 22, our main verse. In chapter, in chapter 22, says, And after these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham? And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall tell you. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought when God gives me a promise and it's actually fulfilled in my life, I just live in the promise. I just flow in the promise. Thank you for my blessings. Give me my blessings now. Give me my blessings. But what happens when God blesses you and is right in front of you and he says, give it back. Give it back. You waited years. You, you toiled for years. And you have it. But can you give it back? That's heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff. See, what do we say? We say, God, have you lost your mind? God, I waited this for years. You want me to give it back? God, I've trusted you. And now how can I do after this? Has anyone been there before? Where we have these conversations with God and we feel that our desires that we draw to most, God wants it back? Awkward. Awkward. And he says here in verse, in verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning saddled up his donkey and took two of his young men with him and, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood and the burnt offering and arose and he went to the place which God has told him. On the third day, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar. And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkeys and the boy and I'll go over and worship and I'll worship and come again to you. See, Abraham said this. I've been here before. See, when, when we mess up, it's time to learn from our lessons. Like it's time to learn from our mess up and learn a lesson. Abraham literally says, okay, last time I tried to manufacture this thing, maybe I should trust God this time. Maybe I should say, so if God says I need to give it back, guess what? I'm not going to negotiate with him. I'm not going to do it on my own anymore. I'm not going to try to manufacture my blessing. I'm just going to do what he says. What if you said yes to God today? What he can do in your life. I know they hurt you. I know it's probably a sacrifice. But if God said it, we need to trust that he has our back. What if we said yes to the uncomfortable and awkward things that God is telling us to do? How can we relate this in our life? How can we relate this in our life? I'm going to talk about three practical things because these are some awkward conversations that when we're talked about all the time and God is telling us, hey, give it back. Hey, I need you to surrender it because I want to do something greater in you. But sometimes we hold it close to us. These are some three practical things. Write these things down and uh, that we're going to talk about and then we're going to kind of end it right here. So three practical things that God tells us to give up so he can bless us more. Number one, practical. Going quick. Number one, our money. You, heard, you felt the air just, just <laughs> suck out of this place? Our money. You felt awkward? 
So does everybody else. But God talks about our finances and our resources throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, it's talked about majority of the time in the New Testament. But what happens when we talk about it? Hey, this is mine. I work hard for this. You can't have mine, right? You can't have mine. It's an awkward and tough, tough conversation, but I'd rather us as a church live in this concept of a blessing of generosity than living in a, 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 a bubble of just our own wealth. But let me break this down for you real fast. And trust me, I'm awkward as well, okay? Um, here's the thing. I'm, you're like, oh, here it goes. One of those churches always asking for money or taking up an offering. We already did that, all right? But I'm here to tell you that there's a concept, a blessing on the other side of your generosity that you can break some strongholds in your life. But God speaks about this. And to be honest, there's a promise behind it. Because it's our choice and it's a posture of our hearts. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It, it, it is through this that's craving um, that some of us are wandering away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pranks. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But here's the thing. I love money. We have to live with it, right? We need it. We need to pay our bills. We need to get our kids through, through college. But God's not saying that you can't have money. He's saying, where's your heart in the midst of it? See, we can have money, but money can have us. And, and that's the thing. It's the heart posture of what we do. See, I don't wake up any day and say, hey, I'd love to be broke today. No, it, it, money is a desire. We wouldn't go to work if we didn't want no money. It's a desire. So God is saying, talking about the desires of our heart. See, it says, in, if you read in that, in that chapter with, with Abraham and Isaac, God said, I'm gonna, you're, you're going to sacrifice the thing that you love. The thing that you love the most. Can I have it? Some of us are, are, there's a promise behind our, 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 our finances and not for, to, is to bless others. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, whoever is generous is um, to the poor lends, um, lends to God and he will repay him of his deeds. And here's the, the one that I love the most. Proverbs chapter 11, here's the promise that God says, if you give me, if you surrender your, your love of this, I'm going to do this for you. It says Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 26. Here's the promise. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I didn't write that. That was God. It, it, in a world, in a culture where it says, get your money, do, do, you know, get more, 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 more. But what does the Bible say? Because it's not about what the amount is. It's about the heart behind it. It says, if you're generous, it gets larger and larger. If you're stingy, which I am half the time, smaller and smaller. God is saying today, can you give me the awkward conversations? Can I have what you desire the most. Number two, 
practical things. Forgiveness. Woo! People are leaving the door right now. Forgiveness. We can hold unforgiveness all day. We can, we can blame other people, but sometimes we got to put the mirror around and blame ourselves. Because the reality is this, you are holding offense and unforgiveness, but you don't know that you're hurting yourself more. You're hurting yourself more by holding this on. Forgiveness breaks the strongholds in your life. See, the enemy wants us to hold on to unforgiveness because when you hold on to unforgiveness, you're not entering to what the blessing that God has for you. It's a practical thing but we don't activate it all the time in our life because we want to hold on to our feelings and our justification of those feelings. I can't forgive because if I forgive, that means they didn't do anything wrong. No, you forgive because you want to be, have peace in your life. Peace in your life. He, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave us. And the last one here is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with one another and, and, and for holiness. Without, without one, we will not see the Lord. It's an awkward conversation to ask for forgiveness. But maybe the awkward is going to lead you to your freedom. Maybe that awkward phone call, hey, I forgive you. Maybe that's the stronghold that can break in your life to enter into the blessing that God has for us. We are, we're holding it. God said, let it go. And as I close, last one. These are so beneficial in our life, and it's wrecking me as well. Number three, practical thing, awkward conversations, awkward things. Number three, love. Everybody loves everything. I love pizza. Look at me. I'm working on it. I worked out three times this week. Don't judge. Love. What biases do we have against each other? How do we love someone else that has a different opinion than us? How do we love somebody that looks different than us? See, love, without loving one another... Our life is dull. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, to love one another, just as I love you, also to love one another. We have to look past the idea of filtered love and just love. Filtered love says, I love you for what I can get from you. Filter love is, I love you for when I agree with you. Filter love says, I love you, uh, you know, for, uh, because what you have. Why do we look at loving one another with so many parameters? I, I do because if you do this. But God didn't have any like... A, B, and C, that he loves us. I mean, he literally died on the cross for us because of love. And he gives us the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your might, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You know who your neighbor is? The, the, everybody around you. 
It's not just your do- the, the neighbor in your house next to you or the apartment next to you, okay? You're thinking too literal, okay? You got to think that your neighbor is everybody around. That means black, white, green, Chinese, whatever. You got to love everyone. In a world that wants to divide us and put filters in our love, God is saying, break the stronghold and love like I loved. Love really talks about what really breaks the stronghold of what I used, what I grew up thinking. I need to think a little different. I need to love past my past. I need to love you because you have worth. I love you because God made you. If God was, if it was so important for God to make you and create you, I need to give you that same worth and respect and love. It's a choice. It's an awkward thing. But if we learn to give God these things and not hold them to us, God will make a way. So why, what now as I close? What is God's response to all of this? How could we hold on to these awkward things? But what does God do? If you read it here in in Genesis chapter 17, verse 14, and then in verse 7, and Isaac said to his, his, his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Behold, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb and a burnt offering, my son. So they went both together. And you read, keep on reading that he went to do it and the angel of the Lord stopped him. And it says here in verse um, 12, and he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear the Lord. See, you have, you have withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, there was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. What am I saying here? You think that you're sacrificing so much, but God is, taking, is making a provision on the other side of your obedience you think is an awkward situation but God is saying if you're obedient in this situation you think you're going to sacrifice the thing that you love the most but in reality I'm preparing a sacrifice for that you're not going to harm what you have I'm going to prepare a blessing for you you have to just walk in it and be obedient to my voice doesn't matter if it's awkward doesn't matter if it hurts me doesn't matter if I got to sacrifice my money doesn't matter if I got to sacrifice my forgiveness doesn't matter if I got to sacrifice my love I'm going to do it because I know that you're providing on the other side of my obedience he's providing on the other side of your obedience so what is it today what is it today that you hold so true to that is really a hindrance to the blessing that God has for you Abraham could have been like no that's my son you promised this to me. But what did he do? He said, no, if you said it, God, I know he said that you never leave me, nor you'll forsake me. So if you say I need to walk, I'm going to walk because I know on the other side, you're providing something that is better, that is greater than what I even can imagine. I say yes. I say yes. 
thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.